I'm Todd. And I'm Rich. And you are listening to Big Screen Boogeyman, the, the Halloween, Halloween podcast. podcast. The uh, podcast where each episode we do a deep dive on one of the Halloween franchise installments. And we are getting towards the end, Rich, here. We are at Halloween 2018, the David Gordon Green vehicle from Blumhouse, of all places. The, the bringer of horror uh, in, in recent times. And we are joined today, as we normally are, by a wonderful, illustrious guest. We are joined by our buddy Adam. How are you doing, Adam? Doing great. great. Welcome. Thank Happy you. To be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So we typically ask people a couple quick questions at the beginning. What is your experience with the Halloween franchise? I know the answer, but the, the listeners want to know. So I had watched some of these movies when I was younger, but it's been over 20 years. So I picked up five of them in the last week, got a good overlay of the different directors, different styles, kind of set myself up to be prepared to know what this one, where this one fits in the whole sequence of movies. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, what are some of the ones you remember that you watched just for a background of course i watched the original mm-hmm. uh, i think it's probably the best i watched both of the rob zombie movies mm-hmm. uh mainly because i really like rob zombie stuff he's a little more uh out there with his gore and sure. whole setup uh and then h2o and of course the one we're talking about today right now you know when you mentioned rob zombie that rich grimaced i i however smiled my eyeball started twitching <laughs> but like so in this franchise we've, we've literally hit this point where we have we have we have trudged through so much shit that we have come back around to being kind of good again. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a journey. It's been a journey. So the next question, I guess, as we jump in, is just how people felt about this film overall, and then we jump into the uh, the scene by scene. Let's actually start with you, Rich. What's your thoughts on this film as a whole? So as a whole, I, I liked this one a lot. I, I would say that this is probably my third favorite, but I'm I'm cheating by having Halloween three be my my number two. Sure. Uh, but I one of the things that I really like that this movie does. I love the idea of just throwing out stuff from bad sequels in a franchise that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, let that be their mistake, not commit to it to just keep it going. I, I will say one thing that I'm hoping that I'm wrong about, but it felt teased a little bit. I am hoping that we don't do a three-peat of somebody terrorized by Michael becomes a killer because there's a couple oh. scenes in here that feel like they're really, nobody got this right before. It's not going to work. Just do something else. Sure. For audience perspective, we're watching this at a time that uh, Halloween Kills hasn't come out yet. So we've only seen the yeah. trailer. The trailer does not look like they're going to do that, but I agree it's, yeah. a, it's a concern of mine. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a couple scenes where it's just like, oh, fuck, no, not again. Yes. Like this. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think, Adam? What did your what were your overall thoughts on this film? I think it's the perfect place to pick up from where the first one left off. Mm-hmm. And it's the direction I wish they would have gone in in the first. Okay. Movie. Just seeing how they, how the trauma that that brought and then making him, you know, they bring him back to human mm-hmm. and yep. they really step up the, the whole process process for him like you know why he's doing what he's doing if there is a reason at all and in this one I actually don't know if there is which I love right. there's it just brings it all together and says you know yeah I agree with what some of Rich said too cutting out the stuff that we don't need making it so we you know even little things like they're not related they right. make a point of that in this movie that I really you know will call out in the scenes but they, yeah just little things like that to make it so it just feels more akin to the original than any of the other ones I've seen definitely okay. and then me as often happens the way some people feel pushes one of us in a direction in terms of how we'll be on the 
the show. I technically am the most negative on this, but I like this film quite a bit. So I, I don't have much to complain about if I'm being honest. Um, I've seen it probably six or seven times now because I'm obsessed with the Halloween franchise and all of these different franchises. Um, I have a couple minor issues with the humor here or there. Not that not like problematic, just didn't lame. Land. Uh, yeah. Like didn't land for me. And I hate the character Sartain with the violent uh, passion of a thousand sons or however you say that. I'm just not a big fan of this character. So we'll talk about that a little bit when we move on. I also have the random hot take that although I do like that they're not brother and sister, I, I think Dave might be a little right in what he says. We'll get we'll get to Dave in a little while uh, at one of his complaints. But overall, I like this. It's fun. It's probably the most watchable of yeah. them in that it's just very pleasant uh, uh, for a horror film. It's good. I like it. Well, one of the things that, that I think stands out here that I like is that this movie committed to a singular idea. Yeah. Like it it didn't try and have like little like roots that trail off in different directions. It just stuck to like what they knew was going to be the meat of the story. And I think that that benefits it. We've seen new family members over the years. We've seen cults. Yeah. We've seen all sorts of insanity. And this one just says, nope, we're yeah. staying in the immediate family. It's uh, 40 years later and let's just fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of let's fucking do it, you want to jump in? Sure. Let's do, let's do it. So uh, cold open, uh, uh, cold open. We're in the psych ward where we meet two uh, <laughs> podcasters. Yeah, I, I feel like they're they're making some comments about uh, people that do this. <laughs> Uh. So these podcasters, let, let's start actually with Adam. What do you think of these two podcasters? I, I think they're great as characters, but horrible people. Well, uh, yeah, they definitely come off as horrible people. Uh, but I would also like to point out that they do not call themselves podcasters at this time. And I actually yes. thought that was hilarious at the one time it's ever mentioned. as <laughs> like a fly. We're not really journalists, but either way. Uh, I mean, it came off as if they, they're just there to make money and try to be popular. Uh, right. You know, they weren't uh, clearly didn't have good intentions behind what they were doing they're just like yeah people will listen to this right this is what'll get people coming i, I mean that that is the goal of every podcaster if you're listening to this send money to our cash app now send money send, send money, it right now send it buy t-shirts if we make them do something they, yeah they did not pay me three three thousand dollars for this interview so just want to point that out. so we're, we're in the psych ward and the podcasters are going and we meet uh the new loomis and my note says my my note actually says we meet the new loomis who i suck and I wish wasn't in the movie. Uh, so I, my, my take is that this new guy, I just don't like him very much. Let, let's actually, uh, so for, oh, I didn't speak on the podcasters. I think they're hysterical. They're perfectly like scuzzy uh, and pretentious in the way that they approach things. It, it's a funny little, I, little scene. I, I do like the little bit of social commentary there too, because, you know, it's talking about the fact that, you know, especially with true crime podcasts, mm -hmm. there is this, this American obsession with serial killers and yeah. murder and it, it like it often borderline becomes like a obsession in a, a sense that they are glorifying this. Yeah. If, if you hear how they talk about the killers and these things versus how they talk about victims, it becomes very quickly apparent that some of these podcasts are on the killer side. <laughs> or at least or, uh, the side of money. The side of money <laughs> and killers. Yeah, well, <laughs> this one was in particular on his side because they kept saying nobody said his story. And that kind of goes to a theme that we see throughout this movie that's 
starts in this very first like opening scene, mm-hmm. right? Getting him to talk. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, my note <laughs> since since we we deal with Sartain before we actually get into the yard, which I think is what we all want to talk about shortly. But yeah, my note on Sartain was that Loomis is Loomis is still dead, but has a surprisingly Loomis-like understudy. Right. And that is that maybe what gets a little bit of what bothers you because you love Loomis, and this guy is doing a bad impression of Loomis. So for background, Adam Loomis is potentially my favorite movie character of all time. I, I uh, even though Halloween franchise for me is second to like a couple of other horror franchises, Loomis in particular, I just adore and think is one of the best characters. I even like the Rob Zombie version of Loomis, although for me, Donald Pleasance is Loomis. Uh, but uh, yeah, Sartain is doing this weird uncanny valley Loomis that just the whole time bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't explain. It feels like a Halloween costume. It does. It really just feels like they were like, I don't know. Well, we got to have somebody like that in there. Like, yeah. I would have rather just a boring doctor, you know what I mean, who wasn't also kind of like crazy yeah. and like Loomis Jr. It's just a random complaint, but every time I watch it, that character pisses me off more, and I think about how to write the film without him in it, which I think yeah. you could do pretty easily. Like, you could just replace him with a couple stock characters, and well, that's about it. Yeah. Some of his actions in this are, we'll get to it later, sure. but are pretty ridiculous, too. He does something later in the film that temporarily takes me out, and if, if you wanted to hate this film, could be the moment you would yeah. say, well, fuck this film. I check out on this, yeah. <laughs> this film. Uh, I don't, however, check out on this film because it's got awesome scenes. Like, they go to the courtyard, and this film has a little bit of a sense of humor. Oh, I, yeah. No, I, d- I dig the start of this courtyard with, mm-hmm. like, just the, the Smith's Grove patients on little anchors standing in the courtyard in the sun with, with yellow tape on the ground. Like, I, I do like that setup. Yeah. Adam, your thoughts on when Sartain takes them out and we go to the uh, to the courtyard and we have all this this kind of uh, buffet of weirdos, for lack of a better word, that they put in here. It's not the most sensitive to mental health scene ever, but it's very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, they really, like, they played that scene up a lot, right? Yeah. Like, the one person that doesn't react to the mask is the one person you would think would, which mm-hmm. is completely contradictory to what happens in the film later on, sure. by the way. But he brings it out, like, right, he walks up to there and brings out the mask, and everybody else loses it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because they can sense that he's feeling it, or like, you know, the dog starts barking, and the one guy's howling like a dog. It was a really, like, it's a scene to get you going. It just felt like they had pieces right. missed. Like, even if it just a minor reaction about of Michael would have made more sense to why everybody else freaked out. It is kind of funny, because everyone is freaked the hell out, except for Michael. Uh, but we have this podcaster who gets the mask from the eight attorney general's office. They just kind of glad. Yeah, like <laughs> never in a billion years would they allow you to do this. If only, Even for 3000 bucks. Uh, if only the police were in the business of regular. Yeah, like <laughs> regularly giving out evidence to podcasters. We would do a different sort of show. That would be that would be great. But I, I also I love the idea. You can see the, the gears turning in this podcaster's head. And he's just like, no, I bet no one has tried with him. Yeah yelling at him. Well, yeah, go ahead. That that mask isn't the only thing that they give. Later in the movie, they've got like the autopsy reports and stuff and pictures of the killings. And they they have like a whole box from the police officer. It's It's like they gave him here. Go, the DA is like, well, you guys can do the whole case now. We're done. They just acted really confidently and the AG's office was like, all right, here you go, I guess. (laughs) One of the things that I do like right off the bat as we're reintroduced to Michael is that he is back to being a regular dude. Like he is no longer a sass 
Sasquatch in in a mask. He is he is a regular looking guy. And Todd, you had something to say about this. Adam, did you? I didn't know if you knew this. This is Nick Castle from the original Halloween. It's the same dude who's yeah, playing he, Michael Myers. He just actually aged that much. Yeah, he, he's legit forty years older. Yeah. I, see, but to me, he looks bigger. Maybe it's a framing thing from this film. It could be. I agree. He looks bigger, but it is it is apparently the same dude. Uh, so. <laughs> I did not realize. I, that is that is actually pretty amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's yelling at him. We get this part where he screams, say something. And I do remember in the theater this being a great part. It says, say something, it screams, and then boom, boom. they hit music. you with that. Uh, yeah. yeah, music. They hit you with. John Carpenter did a little tweak, got his paycheck for this one. Yeah. <laughs> did a little tweak on his Halloween theme. I think I, don't, I think it's either his son or his grandson who is now a part of this. Because like in the credits for the music, it said Cody Carpenter. Oh, interesting. And like I, I dig where where they brought this this classic theme. Yeah, like, it's nice. It's a little checkup, and I like that they do the old school Halloween lettering, and that we start to see the pumpkin inflate. inflate. That's yeah. really clever. Because I don't know if you remember Adam, like in the in the original one, you start to see the pumpkin kind of uh, decay at the beginning while they're doing Halloween. So it's a nice little contrast. Uh, it gets a little in the weeds, but did you have any thoughts on those opening credits? Uh, uh, Rich and I are kind of nerds for that stuff. I mean, I, I I'll be honest, I skipped it the second time I watched. It. Not because I don't like it, but I, I I hear the music enough, and that pumpkin scene was perfect once. Oh yeah, like, yeah. it was really well done. That was the uh, actual way to bring it back. Uh, and then you know, limited time, so I've I've watched the one time. I did enjoy it, but that's fair. That's fair. So uh, we cut to the podcasters again. We're not introducing to uh, the other characters yet. Here's here's my question: do, do the writers do they know how ridiculous this dialogue sounds? It's it's a question I have about the film sometimes because there's this really dramatic thing about one monster creating another and like there's a real faux philosophy approach here and I like how goofy it is but I would be shocked if they took it seriously like do they think this is deep dialogue or do they think this is like faux deep dialogue so it's funny the podcasters yeah no I I think it is is just making fun of how pretentious these people actually are like this is their their image of themselves versus our image of them as the audience okay all right because yeah they're they're clearly the worst people Yeah, that's, that's going to be a theme for a while. So the, uh, it also like is a point that they're trying to actually build what they do with Lori here. I mean, right. they very clearly are trying to set you up to realize she's not going to be your average run-of-the-mill 60 or 50-year-old at this point. Uh, closer to 60. Yeah, yeah, 58-year-old yep. probably. Yep, yep, 40 years. It's interesting. So they go to Lori's house. We start to get a, a sense that she is essentially like a mil- she became a militant. That yeah. is her. In, in uh-huh. Halloween H2O, a film that uh, I think we both liked. I yeah. really like. Um, is she becomes an alcoholic who's in hiding. In this one, she is in hiding, but she is also an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> but now, uh, basically, now like she a takes it seriously. Yeah. No. <laughs> I I like Lori. Share an affinity for home security accoutrement. Yeah. So she, <laughs> they offer her three thousand dollars because she she's not just going to do an interview with any any yeah. Joe Schmo um, off well, the street. First yeah. first the guy's like, oh, well, like we're journalists. Journalists don't pay their interview like fuck you dude yeah the guy is really worse in yeah this particular oh, oh god yeah <laughs> 
And she has to be like, we'll pay you $3,000. And yeah. uh, they go in. We get to see Lori, and it's a delight. Yeah, her opening monologue is great. It is very clear that 30 years of acting experience uh, for Jamie Lee Curtis, she can show it off in any character. For me, she's one of those people who really sticks out in any movie she's yeah. in, even though she hasn't had like a super prolific career. Yeah. She's had a decent career. She'd had like a mid-level proficiency everything. career. She's great in everything. Yeah, she's really great in everything. She sticks out. She's one of the most charismatic people. What do you think about our introduction to Lori Adam? Did you do you like this vision of her? Because I know you also watched H2O. What do you think about her as like a uh, secret survivalist now, as opposed to a uh, drunken headmaster, a mistress of a school? I mean, everything about her character in this is much preferred to me. Mm-hmm. Essentially, every single one. And we, we kind of had a little conversation about that. But I'll bring up some more later on why, because uh, it kind of ties into other scenes. But her just, yeah, as you guys were saying, she's a great actress. Her presence is amazing. But there's just little dialogue parts like questions questioning is he the boogeyman sure like is he real um you know immediately when they start talking about he's about to be transferred she knows when time everything she's because the militant action in her and like she sets up this i'm not afraid of him mm-hmm. i'm ready to to duke it out feeling from the very get-go which just i kind of sets the movie for me because i know it's coming and you yeah. can tell that she's not going to be afraid anymore about it yeah this one is not in hiding yeah. she's a militant mofo who is like bring it she, she also <laughs> finishes with a fuck you pay me yeah, fuck you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I Give also me the money and get out. Great. <laughs> I also just took note of the line, there's nothing to learn, there are no new insights, because if yeah. you hated this film, it would be a great quote to put in your review. Yeah. Uh, so, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, it also, you know, like, we do this thing where, you know, we, we want the deep dive because we assume that we're going to get an answer at some point, and you don't always get that. Sure. Like, and, and that's just a, that is a human thing that, like, oh, yeah, there's a way to explain everything. No, there isn't. No, like... no some things can't be explained. It's just kind of freaking weird. Boom. Okay, so... So, uh, so this brings us to the younger Strode. We go back to the younger Strodes who are now the Nelsons. This this brings us right to Toby Huss with, if you want to shit under my sink, I will murder you and your entire family. Yeah. We, we get pretty intense murderous vibes from the new Nelson family. Now it's towards uh, uh, rats or mice in this yeah, case. but he's, he's setting a rat trap. Still pretty scary. And we get introduced to Allison Nelson, who I wish I had written down the name of this actress, but this is basically the new Lori, which yeah. is a big freaking deal because they're casting you as the new young final, you know, uh, we don't use that term really as much anymore, but like kind of she's the, you know, the final yeah. girl. Uh, uh, well, it's also a three picture franchise. Like sure. right off the bat, they they got people to commit. Yeah. But what do we think about this? I think that she is pleasant. She seems like an honor student who would also have uh, some kind of sketchy friends and uh, not sketchy, but like she seems like she would be kind of like the nerdy but slightly popular best friend of a mm-hmm. slightly more risky crowd than she is and that she would date this boy. She's just very believable to me. I'm curious what you think about the casting here. I, I like her as a protagonist, but I'm not going to pretend for even a second that her parents don't steal the show in this initial scene. Oh, like, sure. it is all Judy Greer and Toby Huss. When your parents are Toby Huss and Judy Greer, it's very, very yeah. difficult. What do you think about the new casting here? Or the new casting, uh, Adam? I liked Allison, but I hated the family. I mean, oh. they literally named her Karen. They did that on purpose. <laughs> but that's just like, like it. 
Uh, she acts like it for most of the movie, and, sure. and it's in certain things. Um, did you guys pick up what her profession was? I no. did not. No. She is a therapist. There are, <laughs> things, there are a couple of things that they say in that that tell you. She rescheduled her session, and then she does like a whole psychoanalysis of her mother and saying like, oh, this is what she needs to get better, and she sure. doesn't need us. And so I, I wanted to call that out because it, it, there's like three scenes total where that you can kind of pick up what her job is. We uh, definitely so, have to come back to this because yeah there is a scene that i had had i known that like it's it's even worse with her well yeah i mean they're the thing is i think they're great characters they're not the best people but oh, yeah, they're no. very like kind of interesting i'm i love judy greer i think yeah. she's one of those people who sticks out that's the oh, mom yeah, she's great yep. and uh um i like when the dad says oh no i got peanut butter on my penis i yeah. don't know why that scene <laughs> always makes that line for some reason makes me laugh even though some of the humor in here falls flat for me well and then he has his his guns monologue <laughs> and you're gonna be hanging out with him and then you're getting high and then getting guns and then you're into guns and you're high and you're fat now. Sure, sure. It just struck me as kind of a believable family scene. Like, yeah. uh, but, you know, with a little elevated humor to it, but it's interesting. Now, you said you didn't like the parent or you didn't like the parents as much, Adam? Roy was the one that the jokes fell flat for me for most okay. of it. That's fair. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. That that whole, yes, getting high and getting fat, that whole monologue was great. Uh, he just felt, for most of the movie, he just felt like he was kind of a, an asshole. Yeah. Or just literally not. It's more like he just never thought. The man sure. just said that. And I know that that's probably a persona that they wanted. And it kind of feeds into some of my feedback on him later. Sure. I mean, he was fine in this scene. Um, he was a very much a dad in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> well, so I had planned to bring this up in the next scene. But, you know, since we're broaching the subject now, I'm just going to you know bring it up. Sure. The dudes in this movie are not great. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're all not very good people. Well, and they, for the most part, suffer the appropriate horror consequences. Yeah. For that. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're well, right, though. That that is also something interesting that this movie does because, like, it, a couple of the kills you feel really bad about, and then some of them you're like, "Yeah, go, Michael." <laughs> <laughs> timing on that right somebody will mess up and that'll be the moment they die and you're like well you got what you asked for there right <laughs> yeah so first we we have them like walking to school correct mm -hmm. and that's that's the shut up dave scene and this is the basically what i would say is the their attempt because this is a very homage film oh yeah like very homage yeah film. um and uh like almost everything that's done in the original film is at least yeah. nodded to or copied you know like lightly in some sort of way and this is really to to honor um, that great scene in the original film where the three of them are walking together. In this case, they're actually walking to school. We have uh, an introduction an introduction to Vicky, who everyone wishes was their babysitter yeah. when they were a little kid. And then we introduce Dave, who I personally <laughs> really like Dave. <laughs> Maybe of the men by far for at least some small portion of our audience the most violent scene in this movie is going to be dave tipping over that motorcycle yeah it's <laughs> it's not easy so he's you know he's a he's just kind of a punk like kind of kid uh but he's also got like a stoner sort of person you know yeah. he's like a he's just like an asshole but like i kind of i can't help it maybe he just reminds me of me uh <laughs> at that age or something but there's something about him that i find kind of funny this is gets into the scene that i wanted to talk about he challenges because they're talking about Lord Laurie's, yeah. you know, uh, Laurie Strode's uh, history, and he challenges whether this would be a, as big of a deal. To me, I there's this part of me I sympathize with uh, with him on this, which is I do wonder if the obsession that th that exists around Michael in this franchise would be as big if the kill count was only five. Personally, maybe I'm just too cynical now, but I think Dave has a point. What did you think, Adam? You so, may, you probably disagree, and that's okay. But I'm curious. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, we're glossing over the most important line of his entire monologue. Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> uh, it's confirmed that they're not related in that scene. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. And that's like the uh, the big thing that I took out of it. Now, his whole monologue, I mean, it's a small town USA. Sure. He's, they, they do, I mean, there's a reason that they do the cemetery scene coming up later. That that actually ties into his speech because nothing else has happened in the town. That's fair. It would literally be on everybody's minds. Uh, yeah, not maybe 40 years later, but the people involved, they haven't seen anything like it. People talk about this event like it was the most most traumatic event in world history. <laughs> that That's my only thing right. is where Todd, uh-huh. you have come looking for a fight on this, this topic <laughs> and you have found one. I'm going to tell you what a tragedy to Dave is. It's a cell phone battery that reads 5%. What the <laughs> fuck does Dave know about <laughs> shit? <laughs> So that's why he gets a shut up, Dave. So this film, as Adam pointed out, makes the choice to say that Halloween 2 never occurred, yeah. which is fine. Um, Halloween H2O, for example, said that 4, 5, and 6 didn't occur. No film really acknowledges 3. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they do this all the time. Halloween is famous for... It, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But two major things happen in Halloween 2. One is the dumbest thing, which is that we connected Lori and Michael via... Like that they're brother and sister. Yeah. Something that really bothered... Uh, Rich and I are on the same page in this. We complained about it in that episode. Lindsay, who was the guest on that, also complained. It's lame. Nobody likes that. The second thing it did, though, was have a much higher body count and turned Michael Myers into kind of like almost superhuman, which that part to me would make him more of like a scary like sort of person. So it's a hot take. I admit it's dumb, but part of me occasionally was like, I don't know if people would be this obsessed with him, but that that could be I think they would because of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. If he just like, if all he did was kill you know five people that alone might have, have gotten him etched into the canon of, of history yeah but the fact that he escaped out of an asylum to hunt a, a babysitter with with no connection to him sure. that's what accelerate this one goes back to the idea of folk horror yeah like and I think that's one of the things that works really well for it is because it does go back. like there are urban legends that pop up in this that weren't anywhere since the first sure Adam any thoughts on that yeah, so they, the other thing that they bring back from the first one is the boogeyman yeah and and they've labeled him as that he is the boogeyman and like hound kind of recognizes him as the boogeyman so it does go back to that lore thing more than like they're idolizing the creepiness of the the history that the they're and they probably all embellished it and like lied about what they what really happened and the kill count went from anywhere from four to 20 like that's how these kind of things go in in history the fact that michael has never talked about these things would probably just add fuel to the fire which is the speculation all right like the fact you know like in all these years you knew that it happened but you never got any sort of explanation that's the sort of stuff that eats away at us like we want explanation i think i just like seeing michael walk through fire and kill a bunch of people in halloween too so it makes me sad to get rid of that the trailer has already told us we're getting that (laughs) (laughs) it's on its way You're absolutely true. Next podcast, next or next pod, you'll you'll hear about that. So let's let's cut. We go to the high school and we meet the boyfriend who is perfectly cast, in my opinion, because you see this kid and you're immediately like, you're a douche. Yeah, like you're <laughs> you're gonna do something horrible. And then you meet his friend. And you're like, holy shit, you're even worse. Like your your whole shtick is tired from the moment that you appear on screen until you're killed. I am not gonna be overly mean, but can we describe this kid as unusual looking? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, also, nice guy brand nice. Nice guy brand nice. Yeah, he's off-putting a little bit. Yeah, like, well, yeah. also clearly has not even slightest of grasp on, like, you know, how society works and, and what boundaries are. <laughs> and well, it's funny, yeah. after all this talk about Oscar, the le- my least favorite character of the whole movie is Cameron. Just because oh, there's no point to it. Yeah, Inte- well, as soon as he's there, well, he's there for Allison to witness a death. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he's there to get killed. Yeah. But yeah, but I agree. He he doesn't have like a much deeper purpose. He's there to keep you for the rest of the 85 minutes left of runtime. You're like, I got to see this guy die. Fuck everything else in this movie. So I want to make sure that we got the people right here. Because Oscar is the one that dies. Cameron is the useless boyfriend that's in three scenes and does nothing of a substance to the movie. Oh, fair. Oscar okay, yeah, was right. perfect for death. Yes. Okay, but my why bad. why wasn't Cameron? Why wasn't Cameron? Look, I choose to believe that somebody stabbed Cameron off screen. It wasn't Michael, but somebody did. Well, unfortunately, we know from trailers that that's not true. But let's keep <laughs> our fingers crossed for us for a death uh, in in part two. Uh, yeah, I'm, in, I'm, in we're, when we get to his scene later on. Yeah, what he does is I will say this kid does a good job with his role. The, the kid oh, yeah. who plays kid. <laughs> you really do hate this kid. So we cut to a classroom where we get the most homage of homagiest yeah. of homages um, because this is. Is, the, you know, biting. And, and, yeah. yeah, this is the callback to uh, the scene where Laurie is talking about, including, did you hear what the lesson was? It's the same damn lesson. Oh, shit. T- the teacher <laughs> is teaching the same lesson about like fate yeah. and like the concept of fate. And you have Allison sitting there and she looks out the window and instead of seeing Michael, she it's sees her grandma. grandma. Yeah. yeah, she sees her grandma. It's a nice little moment. Uh, any thoughts on that from either of you? Yeah. I mean, I, I love that they worked that in. It's a little thing, but like if you're a fan of the first one, it immediately sticks out to you like oh but then the scene that comes after like where they actually do interact like i i loved all the interactions between allison and laurie they felt very authentic Mm -hmm. i i think that jamie lee curtis did a great job of of capturing both this like militant survivalist feel and like the caring grandmother yeah yeah adam thoughts are we combining these two scenes because i'm perfectly fine with that's how my notes went yeah go for it (laughs) there's some interesting conversation in that out by the football field and it's things like telling her not to go to college but to go to Mexico after you've seen this this is a huge setup to her she's going to try to go fight him Mm mm-hmm even the way she says goodbye is a definitive goodbye. Like, the way she said it, as soon as I heard it, I, I highlighted that this sounds like she doesn't plan on ever seeing her again. Yeah. Well, it's it's a combination of, like, yeah, I, I am about to, like, pass this threshold, and I I will carry this hatred for Michael till my dying day. But also, a, a like, charming little, like, you gotta live in the moment, you know, granddaughter, like, sort of thing. When giving her $3,000, like, hey, you know, I, it's like one of those things where I don't have much else, much else I can give you, so here's the money, and hope you have a good life, is the way that I've interpreted that whole scene. I, I think they have a complicated relationship, but I, I will go out on a limb and say that I think that Lori's a good grandma. <laughs> I will My say... Grandmother never- <laughs> she has some good ideas. I don't. I don't. I don't know. She's she's neutral for me. But like, uh, she's she does show up to NHS uh, dinners and stuff. But real quick, there's the part where the granddaughter where Allison says, uh, "Say goodbye to Michael and get over it." Basically, and like says, "Why can't you do this?" And I really wanted Lori to scream, "You weren't in that closet. You weren't in that closet." <laughs> it was like I wanted her to like go off on some long thing where she talks about the trauma. But instead, they actually do it pretty tastefully, and it's probably 
probably better than what I'm picturing because what do I know? But like there was part of me that wanted her to to get a little more angry there, but I like that scene. It's fun. I mean, that happens. It's just later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Fair enough. So we see Lori at shooting practice. I don't know if there's much to talk about there unless somebody had something. She's a good shot. She's a good shot. Good for her. Woo. So I don't know if they were going for this, mm-hmm. but that scene felt very Sarah Connor preparing for war. Oh, I can see it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I know some of it is like the age, but even in the old movies, like cleaning the guns, practicing your shooting, getting all the gear together, it felt very much like a reminiscent old time Sarah Connor getting ready to do it. And I, that's actually one of the things I loved about that scene. And I think the reason they put it in, maybe, but I don't oh, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I buy into that. They're well, definitely David Gordon, uh, David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride clearly had it. Like they, this, there's a lot of love put into this film a yeah. love of like the genre and love of just kind of like these iconic films and so unlike I, certain other me. directors who who did un, unnameable Halloween unlike pictures certain other directors that people don't understand and so they fear yeah I'm, I'm real yeah. scared yeah of I'm Rob calling Zombie. you out for being scared of Rob Zombie I'm afraid of bad workmanship <laughs> Uh, there, there is there is the one line that I that we left out that I I liked from the the Alice and Laurie interaction the if the way that I raised your mother means that she hates me but is prepared for the horror of this world I'm okay with it like yeah go Laurie but I, I think that's a really good line for later I was actually gonna save that one till near the end but because there's a callback almost to it I think it leads but to, it is a great line to have there it's a weird message this movie has though it's a very nihilistic film when you think about it through that lens well <laughs> okay so we're gonna go back to folk horror here because you know, Sure. what's happening with Lori is the curse of Cassandra. She she knows what's going to happen, but nobody believes her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get that. It is funny that she's like, it's a movie that normally we don't see these messages reaffirmed, if that makes sense. Normally, the daughter would be right in some sort of way, and like the Lori would have freaked out, you know what I mean, too yeah. much. Uh, and uh, so it's it's an interesting take. So we see the podcasters listening to Loomis. Uh, I'm guessing this is just a faked computer-generated yeah. voice of Loomis, because uh, it doesn't quite sound like Donald Pleasance, but it sounds a little like Donald Pleasance, but whatever. Go for it. Uh, As Michael is brought onto a bus and Sartine (sighs) joins the bus. This is is one moment that does make me roll my eyes. Okay, I get it. You gotta set up the movie somehow, but like, this is one of those almost immersion-breaking things for me. It's like, oh, hey, if there's, you know, this special anniversary where this guy escaped once, uh, oh, let's move him again at that exact day. Let's move him on that day. how about July fucking 15th, you assholes? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the doctor getting on the the bus, it's like, did that really, like, did you, I mean, he wouldn't normally do that. I don't really think it would care, nobody would care that he's the doctor. The police would tell him no. Uh, But there was a really good call out at this scene. The eye, he turns turns a little bit and you can see that his eye, that his eye is messed up from the hanger from the first movie. Oh yeah, yeah. So fun. Yeah, I do remember that. It's really important to me because it's setting up that he's human. Yeah, and that he has bad depth perception. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) can't see very well on the one side but because that's one of those things that this movie does that i really liked that the other ones you know kind of straight away for him is he's an actual human and the damage you see moves forward and and i'm really interested to see if they'll keep that in the set in the next film but that's uh, that's a question for later i suppose yeah it's it's as classic as how uh you know in friday the 13th we keep the gash and the uh and the hockey mask from part three which i I, or uh, part four i think five i don't know which one that's from i i'm too far gone into Halloween right now, but uh, I'm 
similar shocked <laughs> yeah i know this is actually pretty embarrassing and like later i'll apologize for it uh at my jason shrine that i have at home uh but for whatever it is they keep that nick uh, that like nick and his mask in there and it's pretty nice um so we get to the nhs dinner these parents are really well, first we have laurie screaming in the car oh sorry yes we do have laurie screaming in the car or screaming in the car. yeah and then we go to dinner with the fam we do we go to dinner with the fam i love the dad <laughs> i know this is maybe it's just the dad in me but like there is this part of you that gets to a point when your kids are that age where you you can't bond with them the way you bonded with them when they were 10 mm-hmm. so part of you just turns to embarrassing them as a way of loving them uh and like the way the dad is talking to the kid like to the oh, yeah, drop acid with your dad yeah and it, it doesn't bother me that he's giving this kid shit because this kid is a piece of shit anyway yeah. so like it, it's okay with me but i don't know i like that little scene uh allison asks her mom did you talk to grandma the mom lies because judy greer's a freaking liar and then we have a, a pretty emotional scene where laurie shows up so yeah th- this is this is where i'm gonna call back to, to adam pointing out that she is a fucking therapist and yeah at, at what point in your your schooling as a therapist are they like make a public spectacle of somebody who's suffering from trauma yes. and and just like shit on them in the middle of a restaurant fair <laughs> enough she's not a good therapist but she's not a good kid either i un- oh, <laughs> i see okay at this point in the movie at this point in the movie she is a bad kid okay at this point in the movie she's a bad kid but let me let me defend her and then we'll we'll let adam decide the tiebreaker i will defend judy greer in that like 40 years is a pretty long fucking time to wait for something to happen uh, or like however long her life has been and her mom has been like yeah crazy basically seeming for that entire time yes she is validated but i get why the daughter is like i am so over my mom right now the thing is that like it's it's obvious from the first things that laurie says like she she goes for the wine glass early and and it's it's toby huss's wine glass but at the same (laughs) time she's trying she's trying to restrain it like she's trying to keep it in check and then judy greer escalates that's that's my issue with it is that it didn't have to get that bad and it's like judy greer sets her up for this and then like does the line afterwards like well i really hate to say i told you so but you're uh you're never going to convince me judy greer was wrong here but what about you uh that that's fair though but uh i'm just um, a stubborn man uh what about you uh, adam what did you think about this particular scene any specific thoughts the first time watching it i actually did not i i thought i agree with rich more but now that i rewatched it i can tell like the point the reason she became a therapist is to try and help her mom and that is actually like pushed out at the end of this movie that's uh, sure. this scene uh she makes a comment in the parking lot that confirms that she became a therapist to try and help her mother and then realized that she couldn't right so she's like she's not reacting to things the way that a normal person would because she's now like oh great here you are acting belligerent you're you're drinking again you told me you weren't gonna do that right knowing that she's not actually the therapist of her mother and doesn't know and it's and probably had bad interactions in the past trying to be one right Uh, and that'll come up with that you know the the quote the quote that she had later saying that it's not your job to save her and that was like that's a very therapist line in that scenario but it's hard because when you're a kid you want to save your parent too you know what i mean so it's like i don't know i I like it yeah i I agree um we cut to a scene that like like i said there's nothing problematic to me about this i just it's a scene where the humor fails for me a little bit because there's a couple moments in this where we this is where we go to the son and the dad and the The dance class yeah the dance class thing this and we'll get to it but like the bond me conversation for some reason there's these moments where it's like now we're pausing for some witty i you know what i mean like Mm. ironic humor and it just feels out of place to me it's not that i like necessarily wouldn't 
wouldn't find those jokes funny in another context. But like part of me is like, oh my God, I'm just into this big trauma. And now, oh, the dad doesn't like his son dancing. Got it. Funny. So I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit. Like I, I definitely see where you're coming from here. The bond me scene probably a little less so, but mm-hmm. like the, the dad and his son and the, the dancing class discussion to me, that didn't feel like them like trying to make fun of this kid goes to dancing class. To oh. me, it felt like the dad is just like trying to understand his son. He's putting in an effort, but it's just this generational divide. Before there's a jump in, I don't think they're making fun of him. I don't mm. think the joke is that he wants to go to dance class. The joke is obviously the disjuncture with his yeah. dad about wanting to go to dance class. My issue with it is it feels like literally like now let's take a break from yeah. humor. And there's a couple moments like that in this film and that mm-hmm. it's just the minor issue. Since y'all are so into the film, I'm I, I, I'm taking on the role of oh. throwing in some complaints yeah. here. Oh, and no, I, ha- I have some complaints. Yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're coming. This is one of the scenes where it's just like, oh, I would have just rather had like a more human feeling conversation. You know what I mean? Like, mm. to be honest, but See, it leads to something else. Uh, thought. Well, l- let's let Adam weigh yeah. in on this. What do you think about the humor overall in these kind of these moments? I think that humor is a big part of normal human interaction. And I don't think anything they did in either of those scenes is that out of place. The bottom me one is probably more wonky to me. Sure. Uh, I mean, especially, you know, in this scene, the dad's like 60 something years old. Yeah, that it is a weird dynamic. Like right. That kid looks like he's 14, 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that age discrepancy there, that would be a real conversation, I think, if your dad was that old and you're like, I want to go to dance class. He's like, but, you know, I want you to come with me and hunt. Like, sure. that's what we did. So I, I didn't take any of that out of place. Um, I, I did think it was a point they were trying to make by making a dance class just to show, like, the generational divide, as you said. Sure. Um, because, you know, if it would have been football, it probably wouldn't have been a discussion, right? Well, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that whole scene just kind of like, I don't know, it was a nice takeaway just before you come up into the bus crash. Like, it, it just made sense to me. I, like I, a nice little conversation and then, bam, here you are. Fair enough. I, yep. I kind of agree with what Adam's saying. And also, it's it's a quick way to, you know, add some characterization to so two people who are going to die very quickly to at least, you know, leave them with something other than, like, it feels weird to say they're not one note because they are, but at the same time... They're very one note. But, but I get what you but mean. But they put some sustain on that. They have a trait, oh. for sure. The, the, the Why sub- does a 13-year-old have a gun is now answered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the bus... Hey, that's just Illinois. The bus shocker crashed, uh, yeah. and um, the dad gets out. The dad's dumb. The dad should have stayed in the fucking car and just called the police. That's not a scene that you jump out and go render assistance. Sure. No, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I would not get out of that car. But yeah, so the dad gets out. Um, the scene is shot really well. Even though yeah. the humor doesn't work for me, it's it's a well shot scene. It's a little creepy. Uh, the kid comes, you know, the, the person comes up and knocks on the door where the kid is. Now, the part I don't get is maybe I just wasn't built that way at that age, but the kid gets out of the car then and there's no fucking way. I, I mean, he at that. least has the gun. <laughs> yeah, like, he does have He's the at gun. least smart enough. Oh, hey, uh, <laughs> read the room here. <laughs> And, and that is rural Illinois to a T. Fair enough. I, I, I'm not judging him. I'm just... Well, I guess, I, I mean, in the end, it didn't work out well, also, but he got killed in the car anyway. You yeah. have to like the scene because he shoots Sartain. I do. Well, <laughs> I do love that part because it does... It does. It's, it's of course, what happens when you take a gun out of the car is yeah. that you shoot the person who ostensibly is innocent at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, he goes up onto the bus 
Sartain scares him. He shoots Sartain. He runs back to the car. And then we have something we don't see happen in very many Halloween films, including, I could be wrong, but does Rob Zombie even do this? We we kill a kid. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't think he does. We kill a we kill a freaking kid, yeah. which does not happen also, in most of these horror films. Yeah. We, we kill a kid with another callback with a Michael in the backseat. Yep. Like, Absolutely. Did you cheer when the child was murdered? Adam. I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very bizarre way to what do you think of I'll that? I'll be honest. Uh, uh, I, I was wondering if we count that as our first kill. Well, is his first kill a kid? Because, I mean, technically the cops. Well, technically. We this is the first kill? The yeah. dad is off screen. But the dad that's is off screen. First. This is the first, like, official, like, mark it down on the record. So, book. like, this is like the soup course. This isn't the appetizer. This is. There's a couple other things about this scene that I wanted to bring up. Go for it. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned him getting out of the car. Yeah. Uh, the cop kind of told him to get out of the car. Did you he? can't really do it they say but they essentially say is everybody okay and he it sounded like and then he hangs up the phone and gets out i i, I think the cops are at fault there not that boy i mean it i i, I, I watched this twice and both times i'm like those cops did him dirty i'm always on board for that so yeah, yeah. blame did, the police did you, did you notice that's your, uh, yeah i mean they have other things to be blamed for later in this movie as well sure. yeah, uh, yeah. did you notice that certain was handcuffed i did not hmm. two times they show him in that bus and both times it looks like he's handcuffed. If you it could be the animates that did it to him. Or they cut something yeah. out. It's like some it's external like he, scene. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because he got shot and when he does, he tries to lift his hands and you can see he's handcuffed. And I'm like, why was he handcuffed in the bus? Interesting. And then they mm. never bring up the whole we'll talk about this more later, but they never really bring up like, why was he handcuffed in it? Why was he shot in it? They just kind of let the guy be afterwards. Sure, absolutely. It's weird. So we introduce Hawkins at a quick stop. Hawkins is... Will Patton. Will Patton, sorry. Um, um, someone who I'll, I'll let you talk about it then. So we Haw introduce Hawkins. You go. Yeah, we have Hawkins, who is played by Will Patton, who is a pretty well-known that guy character actor. But I have a particular soft spot in my heart for him because he reads most of the Stephen King audiobooks. So I have listened to that man talk for hours and hours and hours and hours. I think Rich has somehow mentioned Stephen King on at least maybe three of the podcasts yeah. now for Halloween. <laughs> it's my thing. <laughs> uh, so Notice me, Mr. King. <laughs> Notice me. So we... <laughs> And then Hawkins is fine. He's, I mean, he's a functional character. Yeah. Let, let, let's, nobody's going to go out of their mind, yeah. like, standing Hawkins. But, like, he's, you know, he's an interesting character. Yeah, he's just an actor that I like to see in things. We meet him. He assesses the scene and finds the doctor who asks, did he escape? No, Doc. He didn't escape. He was just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do a hard cut to October 31st. So we are now at Halloween. Yep. The name of the film. Good for them. Uh, any thoughts before we jump into Halloween Day, Adam? That, I don't really have anything on that scene. I mean, I really like the wit, the shot of the old man with his neck snaps. Just the way that they show the brutality there oh, yeah. until it was by his hands. That was really cool because that isn't from like you wouldn't get that in the in the first movie. So, sure. but other than that, no. I, I mean, the second handcuffing scene is right there, but you'll have to go back and watch that for yourself. So that's an interesting thing. Uh, I, I that Adam kind of him bringing that up makes me think of this. Uh, so a lot of the kills in this movie do happen off screen, similar to the original. Like we'll see little glimpses of the carnage but you never get that like full spectacle-y it, it is a rejection of the Rob Zombie let's have a like 15 cut scene of stabbing sure and like I think that it works for this film because keeps these these images they show but they're not on there long enough for you to be like
like, oh, that's a mask. Yeah, no, 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 I, I agree. Uh, so we jumped to a graveyard on October 31st. Now, I, I don't want my inner cinema sins to come out, but like there is an egregious writing error here where I'm just like, why the fuck did you even include this line? The woman who's taking the podcasters to see Judith Myers' grave is like, and we've got this. Can somebody tell me why Judith Myers is significant? Yeah. And I wanted to be like, do you not fucking know why yeah. Judith Myers is significant? Your town only had one thing happen in it. I'm sure you heard it. So just random thing, but like if I'm in the writing room, I say, let's just cut that line. It yeah. makes no sense. But anyway, overall, this is an homage to, yeah. you know what I mean? Like to the traditional scenes. Anything on that, Adam? I mean, it, no, I just like that they, I actually, no, I, I didn't even pick up on that line you, you mentioned, by the way. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, I don't even know why she's important. Like, yeah, it's really random. random. Can you please explain? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, that's, that's really bad writing. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. So we go to the hospital, Sartoon, uh, sitting in the hospital, um, and then we get a cowboy character who I think is an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Okay. Uh, it's, there's only so many black cowboys in mm-hmm. movies, uh, and so there's just part of me that thinks it has to be at some level an homage to, to He's, that he's the guy that gives the what are we going to do, cancel Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It does the speech. You get the scene which you need in this film, but it's pretty functional. I don't yeah. think there's much to say. It's just them saying, by the way, Michael Myers escaped from that and yeah. going, oh shit, that's going to cause a lot of problems. I mean, he, he kind of serves in this role to, to remind you that Hawkins doesn't have like full authority here sure. and that, that he has to answer to somebody. Right. Absolutely. 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 Um, so we get to the rest stop and this is when we get into some problems again. So we get to the rest stop uh, with the podcasters. They're getting gas. Uh, the woman goes into the restroom and uh, we see Michael go in. So we, we get a couple of big kills here. We've set up these podcasters and we finally get to see their demise. I, I will say like in this scene, one of the things that stood out the most is that pan by the gas station attendant with the broken jaw that was some good costume makeup sure i mean the direction and every in the production everything in this movie is pretty slick i would say yeah. like it's a it's a decently made film um so what we've got is the woman uses the restroom we see michael go in and then the man podcaster i can't bring myself to care about these people's yeah. names i don't know if we know them if we learn them the man finds the dead body in the back naked uh we actually see the dead body this time this yeah. is classic halloween this is what happens in the original halloween film isn't he kills a truck driver yeah. in that case and steals his stuff. Yeah, we we also... There are a lot of times that Michael tries to kill somebody while they're on the can. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a thing of his. And yeah, it's 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 odd. But this time, like, we crank it up a notch with the scene where he just drops the teeth over the edge. Yes. Like, that is, is pretty gruesome. Adam, how would you respond if uh, you were in the bathroom and then somebody dropped a bunch of bloody teeth into the stall you were in? Not like falling under the stall door to the open one next to it. I felt like that was a pretty bad maneuver. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you just like hand them the roll of toilet paper? Yo, buddy. Leave me yeah, alone. Guys, all right, clean up. Did you guys notice Mike Myers throughout that, that scene? What do you mean? When they're So when they're pumping gas, you can see Michael Myers walking behind in his white clothes. And then oh. when she goes in to ask about the bathroom, you can see him pummeling the dude to death in the garage. There, I didn't notice that, but there is a lot of like background Michael stuff that I, I noticed the second time I watched this. Mm-hmm. And there's also that, that scene in the parking lot where like the lady in the church bus is like, are you going to fucking go in? 
like right, he's right, right. in there. Before that, you can see him walking, and then you hear he's staring at the church lady in the bus in the van bus thing, and you can hear a crowbar drop, and then he walks in, and you can see him beating him to death, uh, beating the guy to death through the thing, and then that's the crowbar that Aaron, the male podcaster, goes and has with him oh, is, is when he goes into the bathroom, is because he sees the crowbar on the ground when he's investigating the dead body. So we actually get four deaths in this scene. Oh wow, that are actually like mimicked throughout that that whole scene. I go back and watch that one. You're gonna like it a lot more now that you saw that. Well, and like these, they don't show her death, but he is a classic Michael smash him against the wall death. Yeah. Uh, and we we get a, a fairly good bloody scene out of this before he goes to go remask. Sure. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, he doesn't quite have the physicality that like I I, I like. Well, I was gonna say as Jason just to, uh, through there, but this is one of the scenes that gets close to like the Jason sort of brutality where it's just mm-hmm. raw power sort of things, like not the knife coming in. Like I like these kills where Michael is just destroying somebody physically. Uh, so yeah, I like that kill. It's a good one. Uh, Lori hears about it and packs up her killing gear. Yeah, we we get our first scene of Lori's prepper cave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what I was hoping was going to be in there is like she pushes a button under the sink and then, you know, you have those like cold storage scenes in movies where like you have some of the dry ice, you know, smoke sure. coming off and it like opens up and it's a bunch of Activia yogurts. <laughs> I thought she was going to go in there and hide. Yep. I know that they set up this whole like prepping to fight thing and I'm like, she's just going to bunker in there and wait for him to come. But that's a halt. That's come back from the other movies where he always seems to go after her. Yeah. And in well, this one, he didn't seem to care that she existed, to be honest. Since it's Halloween, like what if all she had to do to make him go away is she just turned off the porch light <laughs> you almost got a legit spit take there <laughs> gotta be careful not on the mics not on the mics I know I gotta be careful that was almost a legit spit take so uh, Lori shows up at Karen's house with a gun uh, and they have this great <laughs> well okay because I guess I just take these parents side more like I know that Lori's right but I get why they think she's fucking insane at this yeah. point um, so I love when Toby Huss is just like what is the uh, you've got a gun and- stop get, pointing get, a gun at stop me pointing, get out my house yeah. with this gun and she's like I'll fucking kill you I'll fucking kill you don't get close to racks me. the hammer back right then and then we've got this great speech by Karen who I agree with Adam is appropriately named Karen uh, but she has this great speech about how the world is not a dark and evil place and goes off on this long thing and like I said that leads to the fact that the message of this film is pretty fucking dark which is like nope actually the world is a yeah. really evil and dark place <laughs> and all of your optimism is misplaced but which um, really fits with modern times like it, it came out in 2018 we already saw glimpses of the end yeah as someone who gave up on society roughly three years ago i have to endorse this message if, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast in the crumbles of america like please remember there was a time before this yeah there was there was it was called the 90s we didn't worry about yeah. things uh we should have so but we didn't so hawkins is at the gas station and he figures out it's michael myers yep hawk it's brought up that hawkins was there and, and that's, that's where we go to the theme that's where we go to the theme we start to hear it and then we get to this iconic scene the trick-or-treating scene yeah there's this uh it's not quite a long shot it's like a couple long shots edited together but it looks fucking cool it looks badass yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh thoughts on this adam this was like the uh trailer scene originally i remember them showing this in theaters but it's that one shot where he, the kids bump into him and are like oh sorry mister and then we see michael going a little killing spree how much did you like that scene so this was easily one of my favorite scenes and it just built the randomness for the decision 
decision making on the kill. Mm -hmm. Like he just sees that woman walking out of the garage, walks back there, grabs a hammer from there, and beats her to death. Yep, because he wants and the then, knife. He wants to trade up. He wants to trade and up. And then he gets his knife. But then there's uh, the the one person that he net the one thing we never see him kill, which is the baby. And as soon as he picks up that knife and you start hearing that baby cry, I was convinced he's we're gonna get a baby kill on this, and that's over the top. Nah, walked right out. So we don't tell them. We don't see them kill the baby because David Gordon Green and and uh, is a coward. No, <laughs> this is where we go back to morality tales. Babies no, are pure to Michael, and everybody else has 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 breached. No, I get it. It's actually in character, but it is such a tease. Yeah, like it. <laughs> my my note on on this scene was a little different than the rest of your guys's, mm -hmm. uh, which was just making my way downtown, Haddonfield, stabbing folks. <laughs> so we, we whole, oh go ahead. That that whole staring into the the window while that woman's that figuring was out that yeah. something's going on, and yeah, and walking around to the back whilst he's pulling down the blinds. Oh, okay. I know you're gonna ask yeah. me something later. That is easily my favorite kill, just because it, it oh, was yeah. so yeah. well shot, done. It's it's my favorite. That yeah. was better than two full Rob Zombie Halloween. Enough, enough, enough. <laughs> <laughs> But it's um uh it's yeah it's a great scene and then we cut from that. Well, wait oh, before that we also have like the teased the not kill where there there's a guy dressed as a doctor and a woman dressed as a nurse that are like getting into a car and he's like oh I need my stethoscope and he goes in and she's just like sitting in the car mm -hmm. and it's teasing it as like Michael's gonna go up and kill her and then he turns around he's like oh it's in my pocket and then. <laughs> That was good. Nice little clever moment. I, li I like it. So we go to the high school dance, which looks fun. I don't know why yeah. it's on a school night, but EDM it looks party. fun. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I like the teen stuff here. It's part of the genre. You have to establish it. This These scenes are better than average. Well, and then from the party, we go to like one of my favorite scenes. Like this is this is the establishment of Vicky. Sure. Like we have the phone call where she's talking about Alakazam and Julian the Kid, who is the one redeemable guy in this movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know what Alakazam is like that's weed yeah 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 <laughs> And like you have this standoff between the two of them where he's like, I'm going to tell my parents that you smoked weed in our house. And she's like, I'm going to tell them about your browser history. And he's like, that's uncool. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. No, I said it earlier. I think every boy wishes Vicky was their oh, babysitter. Yeah. Like cool at a shit. young age. She's cool as shit. Yeah. Like she's gives cute. no fucks. Yeah. Like she's yeah. got, yeah, she's great. Uh, she, she, she fits in perfectly here. Julian was not fooled for a moment. So prior, uh, before we get into the babysitter killer stuff, any thoughts on the high school dance or the babysitter house? Uh, just like the introduction of Vicky babysitting Adam. So I was I was really excited at first because I thought that they actually did a high school dance without drugs or alcohol. Like they didn't bring it up at all at first. And I was like, you know, normally there's something like, oh, we're, no. you know, going to smoke before we go or they're drinking right away. They So then she takes that phone call, comes back and it's like, oh, OK, never mind. He's just somehow shit faced immediately. And then that whole scene went out of control. I, <laughs> it's not fitting to me that that's where Cameron leaves. That man needs to die. I cannot wait for that in the future. Yeah. He's got oh, it. no. In, when he takes the the phone and puts it into the... Yeah. Is it like jello yeah. or something? Like, like pudding. Like pudding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that is, like, to me, that scene stands out because it is a particularly egregious thing to do to somebody. Like, yeah, it's not... Like, phones are phones. Mm -hmm. But to me, it, it feels like a closer... You know, especially as we're talking about a teenager who does not have her own methods of, of getting around. It sure. doesn't really seem like... It feels a lot more akin to, like, 
slashing someone's tires in front of them. It's some abusive yeah, boyfriend it is bullshit. Super yeah, yeah, yeah. shitty. Absolutely. Well, and that's why, like I said, hopefully we get that super satisfying kill in Halloween kills. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. important disclaimer: high school parties are not that cool. Like, no, no party being hosted by your high school is gonna look anything like this EDM party. No. Do not expect it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get to back to the babysitter house. Dave shows up, and it, I don't know. I love these characters. I, I think I, it's cute dialogue. I think it's funny. Um, they're talking about making out and everything like that. Yeah. And, and he, he shows the tattoo. The one thing I didn't catch, uh, did either of you catch what year this was set in, like, according to his tattoo? Oh, no, I did. I just assumed it's 2018, but I didn't. Okay. I didn't it is check. 18. Yeah. But uh, so we have this cute little interaction. And then the little boy whose name I'm forgetting. Julian. Julian uh, says there's a monster up in my room. Classic setup for a little interaction. So this is this is another one of those folk horror moments. Yeah. Was, like the the thing that's actually in the closet going after the babysitter is a urban legend as old as time. Absolutely. As long as there have been babysitters in closets, there has been this fear. So we get to this part. Dave's walking around looking for stuff. Wait, wait, wait. I oh, do boy. like I do love the, the line by Julian. Send a Dave first. <laughs> <laughs> another good line about Dave later. Uh, <laughs> so she goes up, she does the little the fake out, fake, yeah. fake out thing. Um, but then, you know, yada, yada, yada. And we get to Vicky tries to close the door and Michael is actually inside. Well, Dave at this point, closet. Dave is outside on the motorcycle. Yeah, this is Dave's where he outside. dumps the bike and that's very bad for motorcycles. Right. All the conversations between Julian and Vicky are just adorable. Like, yeah. they're like, oh, you actually are my favorite, you know, kid I babysit. It's good that you have this get resolved because she gets fucking murdered. It's a pretty brutal scene. It's the first one for me where you really care about yeah. someone who's getting killed. It's not those joyous laughs. It's like, ah, fuck, Vicky. Well, you and, know and what I mean? Like, that sucks. And yeah. I think that I like that this movie, I feel sad that Vicky gets killed off here, but I like that this movie kills both people you like and dislike because mm -hmm. then you really feel like you don't know who's going to make it and who's not. Yeah. I mean, the moment you meet Vicky, you know she's dead. Though, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, I get what you mean, though. Absolutely. But like once a character becomes cool, it hits it's different when, oh, when yeah. they're gone. What did you think about this cool character dying? Did you like the death, Adam? I had some issues with this scene. I loved it, and I know it's a huge callback, but there are some major issues that I had. Uh, mainly being like, he's in there revving the hell out of that motorcycle, and they're upstairs like, he's the kid's scared, and he didn't, nobody reacted to this motorcycle, and then you think, okay, maybe they didn't hear it, but then she screams, and he hears it from the garage, so it's like <laughs> some sound difference there. Sure. And like, if, if she went in to check so she's in there checking to see if Mike Myers is in there, Boogeyman's in there. But then that means Mike Myers is standing in the closet listening to her whole routine. He's listening <laughs> to her faking this and just standing there like, okay, cool. But that's entirely on brand for Michael. That, like, it, it really is. It's just, that one isn't as bad as, as an inconsistency. It's just like thinking about it. The original Halloween does establish that Michael has a sense of humor. Yeah. And that he's <laughs> yeah. he likes to creep. Like he not only likes to murder, but he likes to creep. Well, and they bring that up back in this as well at least in this i mean because vicky's death she gets slaughtered but then how do they find her i know that we'll with bring the that call up back with the uh the sheet yeah with the that, right out, out eyes on the with the sheet over ghost ghost well, mode let's jump with that so the cop gets called out to the residence we, we uh dave is gonna run up and try yeah. to help uh, julian's oh, like get the fuck out of here <laughs> like he will kill you he will kill you <laughs> yeah julian's great i hope julian's in halloween kills yeah. just even a cameo i would love to yeah. see it wait, wait wait okay big moment julian yeah. or tommy doyle Oh, 
Julian. Yeah. For sure, Julian. Tom, well, it okay. <laughs> I have an affinity for uh, Tommy Doyle played by Paul uh, Rudd. Paul Rudd. Uh, so then it's a tough call. But if we're just talking about like... That's a lonely this, club, Todd. Yeah. If we're just talking about this kid versus the original Halloween, it's one of the only advantages that this has truly over the original Halloween is much cooler kid being babysat. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. So cop gets called to the residence. It's Well, it's actually Hawkins, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Lori gets out of car and yells at kids in Halloween three masks. And then takes a shot. And then <laughs> like, takes a fucking shot. Uh, Lori shoots at Mike through a window because yeah, like, Lori is all out is of She's not playing today. around anymore. <laughs> Did you notice, have you seen Halloween three, Adam? No, I have Okay, not. so it, it doesn't matter that much. It's just a, it's a slight homage to it. Halloween three is, is the one that doesn't have Michael Myers, but it's about this, you know, crazy company and like these Halloween masks and they show kids in those Halloween masks yeah. there. So it's a, it's a cute little homage that they threw in there that the, the Halloween nerds are going to like. Yeah. That the Halloween nerds are definitely going to like, including, including me. Um, so then we have Dave pinned by the neck. So this is an homage to the, what, uh, what was his name? M we never knew his name. Yeah. Even in the original podcast, we just call him like Linda's boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but this is clearly an homage to when get Linda's me a, boyfriend was killed. I think it's Paul. Cause it's get me a beer, Paul. Or get something me a like beer, Paul. Yeah. Where's my beer, Paul? But yeah, uh, what what is a contender for my favorite kill in the entire franchise? Something we'll talk about on the last episode. It, it, at least a contender, but it's definitely an homage to that. And then they show the little tattoo. It's yeah, it's 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 cute. So Lori and Frank meet, and the, cop <laughs> the oh fuck scene, <laughs> like when she sneaks up behind them. Both of them have guns drawn. Yes, that's just a bad idea. It <laughs> like, is a bad idea. It is a bad idea. And um, Sartain meets Lori and freaks the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, in in this particular case and uh, this just gets to my uh, original opinion I think you could cut Sartain out of this film do a couple minor edits and the film is actually better and about five minutes shorter so when Lori meets Sartain she does something that, that Dan Harbin has dubbed the Monopoly guy and it comes from one of the Ace Ventura movies where he goes up to a guy dressed like the Monopoly guy and is like oh you're like the Monopoly guy and it's a thing where like you in your movie draw attention to something that you yourself put in there <laughs> Uh, and so she's the one that delivers the line, oh, you're the new Loomis. Yeah. And it's it's so, it, it's on the nose. And it, it, if you hadn't caught on that, yeah, they're they're very similar in, in personality and line delivery. It is now. I keep shitting on Sartain. Adam, what are your thoughts on Sartain? Because this is this is a key scene. We're starting to set up. Oh, Sartain's crazier than maybe you even think. He's, he's yeah. fucking obsessed with Laura. I kind of got it from the beginning, but he has a line that he says in one of the very next scenes that just gives it as a dead giveaway. Sure. But yeah, you, I got the feeling that he was not like Loomis and the fact that I don't think he ever actually gave a damn to help him. Right. Yeah. He just wanted to learn from him in a way. So. Well, and he wanted to get famous from what he learned from Michael. He wanted to be the guy that cracked the uncrackable puzzle. He's a Mike uh -huh. Myers stan, as the kids would say. Yeah. But we, we also do get a great uh, Hawkins line where, you know, Laurie is like, I prayed for this, you know, this night every, you know, every night, you know, and then he's just like, that's a really dumb thing to pray for. Yeah. You know, but we get insight into Lori being fucking gone yeah. uh, a little bit too, right? I mean, yeah. Lori's not like a happy character, right? No, 
right? No. Like we don't end this movie thinking like everyone should be like Laura. Oh no, we, we end this movie. She's thinking, a tragic like, what character, a broken person. But who she ended was up right. Being right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who ended up being right. But um, that's yeah. the most important thing. Being right is important. So we set up Allison and Oscar walking home. There's a cute scene moment. Let's skip that and then wait till the next time we see them when it actually becomes like a, a big deal. Is that fair? My my note was just you transactional affection guy. Ew. <laughs> Lo- I, my note, I have the words loser boy crazy. That, that's what I have. <laughs> But but Oscar Oscar is his name we now know. Then we um, go to Sartain and and uh, Hawkins in the the vehicle. They're talking about trauma and Sartain wants him unharmed and we set up very clearly. <laughs> I remember when I watched this in the theater. Like uh, like I said, I, I still love this movie. We'll find that out at the end of the ratings. But like I just do hate this character for some yeah. reason. But I love how uh, like they they he's set, talking about trauma and it is such an obvious set up like it's just like well we want him unharmed well i want him harmed well fuck something's about to go down then somebody's gonna die here something's gonna happen bad here the weird thing is like i i I agree with you on most of this like his his character seemed kind of pointless it it doesn't break that wall for me until he pulls out his special made murder pen (laughs) like that in that scene in particular feels so out of place and like it's from a different movie. Sure. No, no, ab- ab- absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Hold on real quick. What do we think about, um, because this, this then cuts in loser boy and Allison, he tries to kiss her and gets yeah. denied and that sets up the motion oh, sensor light killing, yeah. but, which but is also his like, cool. Oh, those girls got me all horny and they gave yeah, yeah. me guacamole. And- oh, he's a piece of shit. He's the sort of guy who would wear like the future's female t-shirts yeah. and then call a woman a bitch. Like yeah. he's that, he's that guy basically. But like in this, uh, particular scenario and we get the motion light killing uh, which is a pretty good tension for my favorite kill in yeah. this uh your thoughts on the motion sensor killing uh adam i like the motion sensor stalking the yeah. kill itself has very specific things that always the trope that kills me oh yeah so that tape was so weak that it ripped going up but then he couldn't pull it to rip it further is just <laughs> hey, come on man but i did like that one that kill was done when she comes back he slid down it so that it the yeah. actual fence went through his face that sure. was well done I, the actual i mean the, the motion sensor lights was the the thrill for well, me to clarify was... just the motion sensor since the the audience is like what the hell is, or talk about it at least like in the motion lights like the lights go off as allison abandons him after he tries to kiss her yeah and she's like motion sensors idiot and then we slowly see michael just get closer well, and closer first, as first he thinks it's thinks the neighbor. neighbor yeah yeah and is giving his pathetic excuse for why he's in the yard and but it's edited really fucking well and it's shot well because that last one and I really looked close this time like it's great how he's a little bit away the lights go out and then when the light pops and he just stabs out of nowhere it genuinely is like a it's a jump scare that works on me even though I know it's coming like it's, I just think it's very well shot it's also a like a conscious choice and a Michael reflection in that like no you're gonna see this knife coming into your face sure. like he makes sure to trigger that light one more time before he stabs 
abs. Right, right. No, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, so we have Lori's house. So, okay, at this point, uh, let me make sure I know where I am. Okay, Sartain and Hawkins, after uh, Allison gets back, they are going to take her to Lori's house because even the cops acknowledge Lori's yeah. house is now the safest place to be because they are incompetent as a whole, right? Yeah. <laughs> to contain this problem. <laughs> Did that stick out to anybody yeah. that they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah just go to Lori's yeah, house. No, that's exactly <laughs> like the lady who spent decades preparing for this. Yeah. she might be better at this than us. Yeah, absolutely. She would be better at this than us. Uh, we now defer to Lori. And I, I do, I do like that part. Michael is walking the street and then Sartain and Hawkins see it while they have, uh, Allison in the car, in the yeah. back of the car. And that's important because she's in the back of one of those cop cars. So that kind of sets up your watching this and you're like ah shit she's gonna get stuck in the back of this yeah. cop car somehow uh hawkins sees um michael and then decides to run him over yeah right and then this gets to my least favorite part of the entire movie and the part where i do think some there's people... a huge fuck up here in this scene i'm i'm guessing you you're gonna talk about the oh, same thing i don't the know mask? If it's the con oh well sure the mask is a problem but also just i don't like what yeah. happens here you already talked about it a second ago but this is where it actually yeah. happens when when sartine kills him but start with the mask what yeah happens? so there is a huge continuity error here after he stabs uh hawkins so stabs hawkins then then we go to like Laurie's perspective in the back of the thing and then Sartain gets up wearing the Michael mask and gets to the side door is like make room for my patient mm -hmm. and shoves Michael in clearly Sartain is wearing the mask and Michael is not and then he just drops the mask on his face and then the next scene Michael is wearing the mask again sure. and it is clearly that they put that scene in afterwards they're like oh shit he's not wearing the mask anymore I don't want to be ultra negative because I'm a Halloween lover but this film does not hold up to a cinema in scrutiny very well actually throughout the entire yeah. of the film. Now, I'm all on board with saying, well, who gives a shit about CinemaSin sort of stuff, but there are a decent number of little weird errors and yeah. writing mistakes like this throughout this film if you want to be picky about it. Like, uh, you know what I mean in, in terms of it? And that is one of them. What did you think about this psychiatrist killing Hawkins, Adam? Um, <laughs> I, it was my least favorite film. Uh, sorry, scene in the film, but I knew okay. it was coming. I mean, they, he had a cop point in the cop car where he was talking about how he wants to know the feeling, what it feels like to kill. And I was like, okay, so when are you going to do it? It's coming. Yeah. They set him up. But that pen is also in the very first scene, by the way. He has that on him while he's at, they, they highlight it when he's signing papers. Very first scene. Well, so it's dumb it's, then too. I have not, no, that, okay. If it had been like a regular like knife, sure. I think I would have like at least given it a pass. But this like purpose built like murder knife thing is just so dumb and it feels like something out of a phantasm movie. Have you seen my murder pin? Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. That is interesting that it's set up. The shit you notice is amazing, Adam. That's why it's good to have you on here because I, I, I feel like I take good notes and I, I miss that. That's awesome that it's set up because I've never noticed that. But like, what did, let's talk just for a second about why we think this is a bad scene just to make it no. clear, you know, since in theory we're analyzing this movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> and which is, it's it's just dumb. Pointless. Yeah. It's pointless. It, it's like a whole subplot set up just to have a reason to for Michael of, to go to yeah. like that house and to have Allison trapped. It's so dumb. It's cheesy. It's the only part of the movie that feels like you really thought this was good, didn't yeah. you? Like this isn't you could have like seriously, cheesy. You could have had Michael see her in the woods and then just follow her to the house. Like, exactly. done. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's all you need which is why i think you could write sartain out of this i don't know like what bo- you said that it was your least favorite part of it what bothers you about this adam so it did feel very shoehorned and, the, and it, it comes back to why i don't understand why the cops thought Lori's was the best place anyways because mm-hmm. why would they be going after Lori? Right. why would mike myers be going that way so then they're like oh crap now we put her out in the middle of the woods so now we've got to make some way for us to get him there oh yeah let's do this whole scene where let's set up the whole film with this doctor being nuts so that way we can get him to Lori's house it's i don't know that the whole thing kind of felt like they needed to they needed to do it so they did and that was it and after that intense as fuck scene that's weird a little comic relief bond me sandwiches <laughs> so we <laughs> What was that immediately? I thought that was a little bit later because don't we go to the house first? I have Sartine puts Michael in car with Allison and then I have boom okay. cops bond me conversation. Uh, I don't know. Adam, what do you have next in your notes? Yeah, it's absolutely the same. Okay. okay. So uh, yeah, I have bond me conversation again. There's nothing wrong with the scene. Just like there's actually nothing wrong with the other one. It's just for me personally, mm-hmm. it feels like they just stick out like a sore thumb a little bit. It's this thing where I get that they're introducing characters and it's like, here's a hint of why you should like them. It just doesn't work for me yeah. for, for whatever reason. It's, it's one of the two scenes in here where I'm like, eh, kind of lame for me. It's trying to fix something that shouldn't have been there in the first place. Adam. Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely a filler. I don't know why they couldn't cut that down to a sense him just the very end of it and then moved on to the scene where they actually obviously the car shows up because so, it's all it's really cutting to right right that's yeah. all it is is like let me try to it's like let me try to pressure cook a reason you care these people die yeah and it just feels like a little too like hey pay attention to me yeah. here like in this moment that's j- just a minor critique some people might like it that's just my take on it but Sartain uh, is clearly gone bye bye now and Michael is in the back with Allison and Allison claims to have heard Michael speak which yeah. only someone as deranged as Sartain, would Sartain at this point would believe yeah. right because it's clearly a lie like, what did he say and she's like <laughs> fuck <laughs> So Robert, I'll tell you. yeah. So Michael then awakens as they're sitting there and and uh, fully masked, fully masked, which makes no sense. Smashes through the police barrier and kills Sartine with a head smash. Which the head smash is pretty good. It is good. Um, I wanted like a five minute ceremonial death of this character. It's it's uh, just make the movie longer. That's fair. It, I I would gladly take five extra minutes of just seeing Sartine tortured. Uh, for me. <laughs> personally I will agree it's one of the gorier kills as a fan of gore did you like that part Adam I wrote down doctor's head pops like a cherry tomato so (laughs) yeah I'm gonna say yes So from here, we, we have a glimpse of them at Laurie's house as they're sure. like kind of preparing for this. And like Laurie is like, this is the tactical shotgun and like racks a shell. And like, yes. Yeah. Uh, like at that point is where I wanted this like alternate universe. I want an Ash versus the evil dead thing. But like Laurie just going after all the big slasher villains. Sure. Now, for me, we then cut to the dad and he is yo-yoing. And for some reason, <laughs> just as much as the Bond me conversation doesn't work for me. I know Adam's mixed on the dad. Everything about the dad works for me for some reason <laughs> as a character. And the fact that he's yo-yoing in this moment is just hysterical to me. But he gets distracted and goes outside. But yeah, to- Toby Huss gets uh gets killed. He does. He gets killed. And then they kind of have to get over it really quickly. Yeah. I'm interested <laughs> to see the trauma from that in this new film. But Toby Huss gets murdered. And then, yeah, we get to... Like, here's another CinemaSins thing 
Like, they have to get over that death really quickly. For as fucking scared as Lori is and how she wants to create this compound at her house, why the hell does she have a window in her front door? There's a couple things about Lori's compound. I don't want to be a that, jerk yeah. about the, like, no. you know. The window like in the door. Also, if you're going to spend all this time wiring all these external lights, why not put a couple inside the house? <laughs> And he, so, and, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> those windows on the door, they have a scene where you can see it from the beginning where she's talking to the two uh, podcasters. Sure. And you can tell every other window that they show is barred, including the middle one. Yeah. It's just those <laughs> little side yeah. like, how did you miss that? You, well, this, is, this is set up. And don't get me wrong, it sets up kind of like a neat looking scene. But yeah. It's just, like I said, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those guys who's constantly pointing out every irregularity. I would just say as a general critique of the film, there are some writing things yeah. where you're like, what the fuck is that? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. luckily at this point, like, the engine is going full bore. Like, a lot of these I can forgive towards the end of the movie because, sure. like, I'm just, I'm, I want to see what happens. Sure. No, 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 absolutely. And you're having fun. It's it's not, it's the sort of thing you notice after a couple watches. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Or I did, at least. Uh, it's not the sort of thing that really bothers you in the film. So, but we get to, uh, yeah, Michael breaks the window and grabs her head and starts slamming it. And she shoots his hand to get away and yep. runs into the cellar with Karen. Which, it, it brings up an interesting idea that, that has not really been done in these, like in a lot of slashers which sure. is if you can't kill them dismember the shit out of them right. like you stitch <laughs> your ass back together <laughs> Now, uh, one, uh, go ahead, Adam. I, I am really hoping that they keep this going because that is a huge wound that they made a point of showing and then they made a point of following the blood through sure. the house. Yeah. And I, I please, I beg of you to make the next film him have that missing part of his hand and, or if he's even alive, actually. I guess I should wait till the end for that. But well, So after this is when Lori turns on all of her security lights and her energy provider thinks that she's running a Bitcoin mining rig. <laughs> and then we get a lot of what I just call cat and mouse game. Yeah. Like, honestly, I if I have any even minor complaint about the original movie, it's that the, I'm, I just don't think these cat and mouse scenes are that interesting. They're just kind of like people walking around. You know, yeah. you know, we're just waiting for the next reveal. Um, but they're fine. They're shot well. You know what I mean? Like, they're interesting enough. I, I have no problem with them. Yeah. It's well, just we that have, we're going scene by scene. Yeah. We have the shooting through the floor. Uh, we have Lori who comes out and starts doing the gating rooms, which gives us a... a tip that like there's more than meets the eye to this house sure. like once she starts like throwing these gates down you're like okay she's got something planned right no no absolutely absolutely uh, then Allison finds the mannequin uh <laughs> sanctuary the man what do you think of the mannequin graveyard, Adam? <laughs> or the sanctuary? Oh, I thought that was would be one of the creepiest things. If you haven't been at your grandmother's house and you walked into that all <laughs> shot up. But, but did you notice that when they when uh, Lori walks into the room that has a couple of mannequins, they have blood on them? Did he move those there? Because that's well, the impression I got. Interesting. Michael Myers moved them upstairs. He definitely did. Because like like, she was surprised by them being in her house. Like That was definitely him. But yeah. Yeah, like that that whole scene I don't know like this I, is this is where I would have accepted a, a humor like break the uh, the tension moment of of her just delivering like the airplane airplane line of like looks like I chose the wrong day to stop sniffing glue <laughs> <laughs> 
So, like, uh, she starts to tussle with Michael a little bit. They get in a fight in the uh, the room. So we go into uh, the mannequin room, as we already were, and they start to fight. Uh, he throws her over a balcony, and then we get a classic homage to the original film as well. Uh, he throws her over the balcony. She disappears. This is when Allison shows up at the at the house, technically. Yep. We're in the basement. Karen grabs a gun and acts all weak, screaming for mom. Yeah. I, I had that surprise. line as, Karen, get your gun. Big <laughs> and surprise, surprise, turns out Karen, secret minor badass. Yeah. Yeah, secret minor badass. She's just acting like she's the prey. Michael shows up and she goes, gotcha, and shoots him. Weird yeah. note here, but I, I like that Laurie's bunker actually has things like, you know, food and water and isn't just like guns and... <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think about Karen's uh, come up here, uh, Adam? A single redeeming quality for her for the rest of the series i will i cannot wait to see what her character acts like in the next sure because that perfectly well done to flipping from an acting like a karen for me hating her in every other scene including most of this one to oh shit that right there was what the build-up was that's why they even named her karen was that shot generally speaking i want guns out of the karen of the world's hands but i will get she gets an exception yeah this, this pays off for a lot of negative character development that like we go through with her sure. through this movie and it finally snaps into place. Um, Absolutely. So as she shoots Michael, Lori comes out from behind. The lighting of this scene is a little bit weird where like there's like a little spotlight on Lori. Like sure. we know that she's there. Like just have her come out of the shadow and stab him. <laughs> like, but what? Like this is where I'm getting nitpicky. Like the end sure. of this movie has some of these things where I'm just like, I roll my eyes a little bit, but I'm having fun. The, re- no, the reason we bring it up in case anyone's listening and, are, and is like, I love this movie. You know, it's the point out this, this could have actually been potentially even more special of a movie. There's just like little, yeah. you know what I mean? Like here and there sort of things. Um, but it's good. We like it, but, uh, well, and you can like things and recognize flaws. And occasionally there's just this inattention to detail, which makes you go like, uh, eh, it's a little weird, you know, like as good job, to, Jason Blum, as opposed to the first one, which I think Rich and I think is like on a technical level, basically almost like it's low budget, uh, art. It's, like yeah. nearly perfect like in terms of how it's done well especially so, for like creating a genre not sure peeping tom and black sure, sure, sure. black christmas okay. but for for basically like aligning all the stars to make this genre be what it is yeah, yeah, yeah to yeah. finally put the pieces together that's what the original was so we're always dealing with that that's always the specter that's uh that's over so we <laughs> we get michael in the basement and then we we fire up some talking heads and burning down the house. Absolutely. So Laurie stabs him. Allison stabs Michael to get him in the basement, uh, which then has these like spiky lock like, things. It looks like almost like swords come out. Like, what did you think about that? Did uh, did you immediately want one of those things in your house, Adam? I don't know what I would use it for, uh, <laughs> but it would be one heck cracking a beer. <laughs> I I don't know why, but like when that happened, I remember in the theater, I laughed out loud when those spikes came in for some reason. It doesn't bother me. It's just so fucking weird. Yeah. Like, but it, it happens and they lock him in and then they fucking burn him. To well, death. Yeah. And, and like this really complicated apparatus that is really only designed to burn your own fucking house down. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine what? some only in the basement. Yeah. They had that line throughout the whole first floor. Like you yeah. were on the first floor when you started this. That's a terrible idea. Also, you are not getting an insurance payout for that. No, it's a rough one. Um, 
but as as he's burning, the theme comes back, and yeah, I'm 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 digging once the music hits. And then Allison catches a truck, and they homage what? No offense, <sighs> no one wants. What? No, they have the couple scenes with Allison where like they show her hand on the knife, and it yeah. just like lingers just a bit too long. You're like, oh god, not well, again. Here's my prediction. My prediction is that's a taunt. That's not like a. Uh, it's gonna I, end yeah. up being like a taunt. It's not like a real thing. I think I. I don't know. Like there are certain aspects of what Danny McBride and David Gordon Green do that um I think are just a tiny bit cheesy. But I yeah. like that. I trust them overall with the Halloween franchise, and I just believe they are not dumb enough yeah. to do that yet again in the well, Halloween. Franchise. I, I would be fine with them teasing it, and then like Allison being like, "That would be fucking stupid." <laughs> But they homage what, for me, no offense to Halloween, which is my second, but they homage what is the best, uh, in my opinion, horror film of all time, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah, getting uh, in the truck. Gotta get in the truck and drive away. Have you seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Adam? All of them. All of Every them. Every single one. Okay. That's, that's my favorite series as well. So, between that and Friday the 13th. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. And they do that truck scene, them driving away. And yeah, then they do that scary thing. Do you know what we're saying we don't want? to happen we're scared that, that they're gonna make Allison all of a sudden be like maybe I'm a psycho and should start killing people that they're gonna try to Tommy Doyle uh Halloween. well he didn't see those ones but yeah, yeah like part of why no, those no, no, later no. ones suck is that they keep introducing these these plot lines of people Michael has gone after maybe they're the killer now and right. it's dumb it doesn't work they've this is the third no this is this would be the fourth time that they would have tried it and it's stupid every fucking time it just it just doesn't seem yeah it just doesn't seem to work that well. What did you think about this ending, though? Overall, were you satisfied by this, Adam? It leaves me really questioning where they're going to go. Because I, I have, I've mentioned multiple times that I hope that he remains human. Mm-hmm. And well, I don't think locking him in a basement and burning the house down gives a lot of credence to that. But if you watch the trailer, they tell you exactly where they're going from here. Like, the trailer is literally just picking up that scene with him in the burning house and then trying to, you know, explain how he got out. I am all on board. I love the ending for the film itself. I just, for the series, I was worried because I, I don't want him to go back to Supernatural Hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if I like that, it's not the theme of the original film or this one. Sure. Yeah. So let's keep it with what we've got and, and build from there. Then I'm all for it. I'm sure. ready. Um. So then we go to credits. We're at credits, guys. Yeah. So let's start talking about our three main questions we ask at the end of this. Uh, first, what would you do if you could do one thing to fix this? I'll start since it's yeah. freaking obvious. I've talked about it the whole time. I write Sartain out of this and I make it a one hour, 40 minute film instead of a one hour, 45 minute film. I don't think he needs to be there. I think you could just have a generic person be his doctor for the first scene and you could just fix it kind find like a very simple reason i think he's a shit character and i would take him out yeah yeah i like a lot of the early scenes of this movie but like some of them do feel like fillers like we did not need that much content with the podcast hosts like there are easier ways to get these messages across so yeah i would probably just trim down a little bit in that and then fix some of these like glaring continuity issues but other than that yeah i i liked it overall but there is definitely some work and yeah i could see your your point of just removing sartain or at least like working on that character to make him both unique 
unique and less stupid. Sure, sure. Uh, what about you, Adam? So I feel like we all kind of want to remove something. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine is Cameron. I've already kind of mentioned that. But I've, the major thing with Cameron that I would like to remove is his face. The, the, the dunking the phone. Because if the dunking the phone was a, another r- plot right in, okay. this is how we're going to get rid of her phone. And that's it. That was the only reason they put that in there. Sure. Yes, it makes him look like a jerk, but so did kissing the girl. Just stop at the kissing of the girl. That was Allison's, you know, nightmare was not having a phone for an evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, <laughs> that's fair. To me, even at my age, the thought of not having my phone is terrifying yeah. now. Like it is, it is horror. But I, I, you know, I get your point. I see it. So the second thing we do is favorite kill. Rich, can we start with you on this one? Yeah, Oscar. <laughs> like both, like I, it, it was satisfying to watch the character die, but it was also, it was a good kill. Silver medal for me though, doesn't take place on screen. And like, it was the broken jaw on, on the gas station attendant. Sure. It is just so gnarly. Even in that like one scene, I'm just like, Ooh, yeah, I like it. I like it. Adam, favorite I, kill? I mean, I, I've already mentioned that my favorite kill is definitely the woman in the the woman that was uh, on the phone and he walked in around. Killing That's a good one. Him. But I do want to give a good shout out to everybody that hasn't seen it. Go back and watch that whole gas station scene again because it is fantastic. The gas station slash garage scene is all the kills in there are are great and they're almost all on screen. The only one you miss is the one with the teeth. Nice, nice. nice. Um, I I'm gonna go with Sartain just because A for effort. Like at least he's <laughs> dead. And my real favorite one is probably the, uh, and I, I mean, it's good gore. Like I, I did like that kill. Um, my real favorite one is probably Oscar just mm-hmm. cause I, I, I just remember in the theater that just looks so fucking badass. Yeah. like on, uh, on like IMAX, which is what I think I watched it on or no, I watched it in Dolby and it just looks so fucking great. Like I loved, I love the motion sensor light. It's kind of interesting to me too, because I am not a fan of jump scares very much at all. But yeah, this one did feel earned and it worked way better than most movies handle a jump scare. I would agree. I would agree. Um, So the last thing we do on this show, Adam, is we rate these Halloween films out of 10 big, bright, shiny knives. Um, You are allowed to go uh, with a half or a quarter point if you come up with a creative reference to the movie to represent that. Some sort of weapon. Yes. uh, Some sort of weapon or, you know, I will accept a clever reference to the I won't. I will. I will. Uh, but let's start with you, Rich. What do you rate this film out of 10? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with a 7. Like, I, there are definitely issues with this movie, but it it keeps the, the central plot at the focus, and it does something that I feel like too many horror movies forget, which is have fun. Sure, absolutely. It does have fun. What about you, Adam? Where are you going with this? I'm giving it an 8. Uh, I, I think it could have used a little bit more on-screen killing, more of the iconic music. They kind of had it. They didn't play it as much as I thought they would, uh, and then less of the dad, Roy. Uh, and with that, I think I'm getting all of that in the next movie. So I, I think I'm ready for the next one. Nice. You're definitely going to have less Roy in the next one. Nice. <laughs> I am, just because I want to do a clever reference, I'm going to go seven big, bright, shiny knives, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go, this movie gets a 7.1 because the point one is a soggy, pudding-filled phone. phone. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go a seven, seven big, bright, shiny knives and a soggy, pudding-filled phone. Um, so that that's my rating is 7.1. So that's about what we do on this show. This was a longer episode than normal, but it was a fun conversation. Thank you very much, Adam, for joining our very last podcast with a guest. The last one is just Rich and I. So thank you for being on the show. Did you have a fun time? That's a no. That's a no. (laughs) Adam. (laughs) 
<laughs> what a funny time to listen. Well, we may have missed Adam, but that's okay. Uh, he was there for most of the show. So thank you, Adam. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, and thank you for anyone listening at home. Yeah, and until next time, watch more horror movies, right? Yeah. All right, have a good night.